This is Ryan. And Julia. And together, <laughs> for the first time, we are Functionally Literate. Yes, we are. I'm so excited to be here. I schemed my way onto this podcast, I think. So, Julia, tell the audience how you know me. Well, we just did a show together. We were in the Crucible yeah. um, at Maplewood Barn. Yeah. And you played Hale. I played Elizabeth Proctor. Yeah, I played Reverend Hale, and you were Proctor. You were Elizabeth Proctor. I was Sorry. Proctor. You were like, a Proctor. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. You were good wife Proctor. I was goody Proctor. <laughs> and we... And we uh, we hit it off. I was yeah. telling you about the podcast, and you were like, I'd love to read a book with you. And I was like, pick a book. And then you, and then you picked a book. Well, <laughs> you, you had some suggestions, and then I made this suggestion to you, and you said, this is a great book. I yeah. love this suggestion. Let's do this. You could I, have said no. No, I. this was a great suggestion, and I was really excited to read it. I mean, I had heard about this author before, so just, like, getting to dive into one of these is We should good. tell the audience what this is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are reading Go Dog Go, or that's not even the name of it, sorry. <laughs> we are reading the fifth season. By N.K. Jemisin. This is book one of the Broken Earth trilogy. Um, I have read a couple of her books before. I didn't realize that, I don't think. Hmm. That you have read her books before. I don't think I mentioned it. Okay. Yeah, so I've read, not on here, but I've read, um, there's a book that she did called The City We Became. It's really cool. It's about, um... So basically in that book, like, cities can come alive eventually once they've been around long enough. So it's about New York, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and the way cities come alive is they, they, someone who lives in that city becomes, like, an avatar of the city, right? And they get a bunch of, like, abilities and powers, and they're essentially, like, demigods, basically. Um, And they can leave their city, but they usually don't. Right. And so with New York, like the last city that came alive, I believe it was Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo, their avatar comes to New York to kind of like train up the the avatar that is going to like the person that will become the avatar of New York. But then something goes wrong and then there's six avatars. Right. There's like the main avatar and then there's an avatar for every single borough and the main avatar goes missing. Where does where is the main avatar? That's a good question. You're like read the book, find out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but yeah, no, that was a duology, and it was really, really good. And so I thought this would be this book, the fifth season, would be good for this podcast because you know Zach and I we've been covering like mythology because mm-hmm. we're gearing up to do swords and sorcery, and this isn't quite swords and sorcery. This is. This is, I looked it up, this is um, science fantasy. It's dystopian. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. I Like, I think it, I read a lot of fantasy. I, le- I read a lot of, like, fluffier fantasy, sure. we'll say, I yeah. guess. And so this is, like, a f- fun shift for me to read. I mean, and I've I've read, you know... A little bit more highbrow fantasy like this, if you will. Sure, <laughs> sure. This is, it's a it's a good shift, and it is a heavy. It is heavy. Heavy book. It starts heavy. Yeah, and it starts 
confusing yeah. <laughs> for me. So I think you and I had the same experience where mm-hmm. we listened to the audiobook. Yes. And so while it sounded beautiful, yeah. it was hard to follow as an audiobook. It's poetic. And you're like, what is going on? Yeah. But you went back and read the prologue again, didn't you? Yes, I did. Okay, I, went back I did and, that too. Mm-hmm, I, I read it as text, so that way yes. I could reread it and follow it a little bit better, which I think was to my benefit. Yeah, and I that helped me for sure. There were some things that I just like still was like, what's going on? But that, I mean, that's like any fantasy book that you start, right? So like, you know, the first 50 pages, you're like, not sure what's going on at all, but I believe I will understand yeah. in due time. Yeah. So uh, for posterity, we are going to be recording three episodes today. Yeah. So we're doing. So for this episode, we're going to do prologue and chapters one and two. Um, but we're going to be today reading up to chapter eight. So, so I was I listened to the prologue up through chapter eight a couple times wait did you really i did that's wild i mean it was mainly (laughs) because i knew i wasn't going to be able to take very good notes okay because um you know it's summer and so i'm doing a different job right now and i Mm. i'm not just sitting at my desk waiting on people to come into the building Okay, you so know. you had the time to to do it. it, and I read this all in one day. You did, <laughs> which I I thought was impressive because I well, definitely did not do that. I I knew I was like I I love to bench read books, like yeah. that's just my cup of tea. So yeah, I get you. I've done that. I just I haven't done it very often lately. It's not always great for like processing though, like because afterwards you're like, what did I just read? <laughs> so I definitely had to go back, like read the summaries and also reread a f- yeah. few parts. So this book has an appendix. Yes. Uh, well, it has two appendixes technically, mm-hmm. which I find are useful. So the first appendix is it talks about all of the fifth seasons mm-hmm. that ha- that um this like empire in the book have recorded. And then the second appendix is just like terminology that is in the, the that is comes up a lot in the book that, you know, are not real terms. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, which is which I also found useful. So a fifth season for all of you is is a extended winter that lasts at least six months that is caused by seismic activity or some other large scale environmental like impact that kind of screws everything up for everybody you know it's an apocalypse right. a fifth season is an apocalypse um and so <laughs> it's interesting because that essentially makes everyone in this world a doomsday prepper yes 100 <laughs> percent. that's such a good way to put it oh my god <laughs> Um, they're all struggling. They too. are. Yeah. Do you want to get into that a little bit? How they're doomsday preppers? I mean, well, they, they, there's like no certainty for any of them. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, you know, two like quakes. Like, when's that going to happen next? And like, who is behind it? Or like, mm-hmm. who can we blame? Let's get into the prologue. Okay. Prologue. 
the world ends in three ways. So this is one hell of a prologue. Woof, it is. Yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely, like I said, I had to reread it. Mm-hmm. And I have, I, this is the only like notes truly that I took before okay. I gave up. <laughs> what do you got? I mean, so I, I, a woman, Isan, right? Asun. Asun, sorry. A, a, no, it's fine. That I only know that because that's how the narrator pronounced it. Right. And so she, she starts and you know she is grieving mm-hmm. a child. Yeah. It's, it starts off. Heavy Her immediately. Baby boy is dead. Yeah, it's... and and all she can think, and the narration says that she thinks this a lot mm-hmm. over the course of the book. Um, you know, she keeps thinking whenever she thinks of her son, but he was free. Followed by, but he wasn't, not really, but now he will be. Yeah, and I wonder about that. Like, how was he free before, and how is he free now? It like. Definitely, I was like, it's giving, what's this after, is there like an afterlife situation that we're going to learn about? Did you go there at all or no? Did I go to an afterlife thing? Yeah. I didn't because nobody in this book is, at least up to chapter No, nobody's mentioned it. Yeah, nobody's mentioned an afterlife of any kind. I know, but but, I don't know. Okay. No, that's fine. What were you thinking? No, I... I will say I didn't get so stuck on that, but, like, I did, it, like, in my mind triggered a little bit of a church, like, freedom in the afterlife. Oh, okay, sure. Not particularly religious, but, like, just in, like, maybe how she was, like, phrasing it. I was like, this is interesting. I get you. I don't know. But it was an it's an early world they're in, so it, it is. And so then they uh, freedom from not being there. So then, I guess. like I love the way the book starts with like the first sentence. It's like, all right, let's talk about the end of the world, shall we? Let's get it out of the way and yeah. get on to more interesting things. And it's like you know, most books would say that the end of the world is the most interesting thing. Most <laughs> right, but no, it's it's the story within, right? Right. Um. And so after talking about Aesun a little bit, it talks about just the world itself. Mm-hmm. So the people in this world, they call it the stillness, which is kind of a misnomer because it's not still at all. I think that's like... It's very unstill. <laughs> I think they call it that because that's what they want it to be. Right. Um, Shaky. So yeah, it's a it's a supercontinent. It's, it's another Pangea. Mm-hmm. It is... It, and there's even a map in the beginning of the book. That I, I love when they do that. Yeah. I don't always, I'm like, this, I'm going to never refer to this again, but I'm going to look at it right now mm-hmm. and I'm going to appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I found that helpful because, yeah, I mean, it is almost entirely one supercontinent. There's a few islands here and there around the continent, but not many. There's like, I don't know, maybe eight, maybe yeah. eight islands. I didn't count them. And then you have the equator, right? Yeah. Stable cities. All of the stable cities are, well, the big cities are along the equatorial line is what they call it. Yeah. Which makes sense, you know? Right. I think there is some science to that. I'm not going to look it up right now, but I'm pretty sure the equator is one of the most seismically stable places in the world. 
I can't speak on that at all. I can't speak on that either. <laughs> but I know that that the author did some scientific research with this. Like so that so that's what I was wanting to get into with science fantasy, right? Yeah. Because like, I was like, what the hell does that mean? Because sci-fi is an offshoot of fantasy. Mm-hmm. But I looked it up and it is a merging of fantasy and science fiction. Yeah. So it's like, okay. So so science fiction was an offshoot and then it was merged back for this genre of science fantasy. Interesting. I I didn't know the difference between that. I didn't know yeah. that was a genre at all until like I was looking this book up on Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> I love that. That's um great. But yeah, so the book kind of gets into how the stillness is this supercontinent. And oh, so I had a question actually for you. Speculation. Okay. Right. So do you suppose the stillness is Earth in the far future or another planet? Uh, I didn't like, to me, it. Di- I don't even think I considered it to be a part of this like, universe okay like to me this is all happening in like another dimension another this is just this is a totally different thing this yeah is a different thing yeah <laughs> okay i like i didn't necessarily but if it's i mean science fantasy it would maybe maybe it makes more sense that it would take place on earth or maybe it, it's giving dust bowl vibes like in in terms of there's I feel there's lots of grime and dirt and like yeah. with with the way she describes everything. Yeah. So maybe it's on like Mars or something. <laughs> there's a moment where she gets into how the whole continent is just littered with ruins mm-hmm. of of like, you know, long ago cities and bridges and statues and monuments, like a bunch of crap from before this empire which Mm -hmm. is roughly 2700 years old i believe they said something like that um and how like the people of the stillness don't give a crap about any of that stuff right you know the current wisdom if you can call it that of the stillness is everything that came before doesn't matter because all of those people failed to survive We've succeeded. Look at us. We're an empire. Oh, we- yeah. They're thriving. <laughs> truly. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it talks about the capital of the stillness mm-hmm. of the empire, which is a place called Eumenes. And it talks yes. about how Eumenes is a is a city of bravery, right? Because they don't give a fuck about the fact that an earthquake could shatter everything. They're going to build all of these things that, you know, we would build. Right. Mm-hmm. Like asphalt roads and balconies and and, you know, precarious buildings. Are you talking about California? Or <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm not. But that is a good comparison. Just saying. Like... Well, I don't think even California deals with things quite on the level that no, the stillness does. A hundred percent. No. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, it's the we're not going to fall apart and we're definitely not going to break off and sink into the ocean absolutely not (laughs) absolutely not um 
but yeah, no, so it goes on about humanness and, like, mm-hmm. all of these things about it. Like, a lot of flavor, right? And then it's like, none of this matters. I know. And then we start talking about the stone guy. eaters. Yeah. The, yeah. So, so, okay. So, yeah, the stone eater. Yeah. And the guy talking to the stone eater. Yep. So there's a guy, and they don't really explain who the guy is, <laughs> but he's talking to this woman i'm using quotation marks here because she just presents herself as a woman right she's like what was she made out of oh god i don't even remember i don't either she was made out of like some like some kind of white marble or something and she she was she looked like a very realistic woman um and they're talking about I mean, the end of the world, basically, mm-hmm. right? Like, this guy's going to cause the end of the world. She doesn't think that it's really going to cause the end of the world. You know, he's like, what are you guys going to do wh- after we're all gone? And she's like, you're not going to be all gone. You're going to survive. And he doesn't believe that for a second. I mean, w- I mean, and he wouldn't. Right. <laughs> well, and this is like where, too, I think this was probably the most confusing aspect for me which makes sense i don't think it's supposed to make sense right now i because i i'm like where this it's like it's just lore really yeah 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 just like setting the stage and they have a power the the origins or the are you talking about the stone eaters the stone eaters right and they so they destroy Humanus? Humanus. Yeah. Well... Did I jump ahead too quick? I don't think so. But, I mean, she didn't do anything. She was just there. She was just witness. Right. Um, He, with his... With his vast power, takes the world and the sky and everything under the earth... Mm -hmm. Or at least everything, like, whatever tectonic plate he's currently on. And he takes it, and he breaks it. He just, with his vast, huge, earth-shattering Poseidon powers, just breaks the world. And, <laughs> and that's As it. one does. <laughs> and, just, just, and that's it. And that's how the, how the world ends. This guy is like, fuck all of y'all. Fuck this society. I hate this. This all sucks. Everyone's going to die, and it's going to be fine. We don't deserve this world. But it doesn't destroy everything. No. What does it do? It de- Well, it doesn't destroy another word. M- like, me going through and trying to say the names of these cities. Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. Wh- which one? Tri- t- Tirimo? T-I-R-I-M-O? Tirimo. Tarima, right. yeah. See, I'm telling you. That's the beauty of an audiobook, though, because you listen to it and you hear and the. And then you and, know. And then you know. And then if you're me, you immediately forget. You know, when you're online, that's how you can tell the difference between people that listen to the audiobook versus people that read the book. Because, yeah. Because, like, people that listen to the audiobook, they know how to pronounce everything, but they don't know how to spell shit. And then people who have. Listen to the audiobook three times. 
really know how to pronounce things. <laughs> which is good, which is great. Let me be clear, I only listened up to chapter eight three times. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but it's still impressive. Okay, thanks. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, not everything was destroyed um, because soon, while she was mourning her um, her son, you know, those shakes reached Tarimo and she saved it. Like, kind of instinctually. Right. Although I think that's a chapter one thing. Yeah. I mean, and do we talk about the Roga now? Raga. Raga. See? Oh, I thought I had that one, too. Raga come <laughs> up in the prologue. Yes. Yeah. You want to talk? So. But that's, like, kind of a slur. It, it is absolutely a slur. That's, like so. Like, in, in the appendix, there is a, there is a definition for orogene. Don't cancel me. I'm not, canc- I'm just I'm not canceling you. It's a book. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's a, there's in the appendix, there's a definition for origin. And at the end, which it says derogatory or raga. Yes. <laughs> which, oh man, I can't. It's see, this is what's going to be challenging is like not jumping to like other chapters. You'll get into it. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. like I'm like, oh. it'll get easier. Um. So yeah. Um. After uh, this guy who we don't know who he is breaks the world. Um. The narrator kind of gets into how shifts to a soon. Mm-hmm. Right. Talks about a soon. A soon is forty two. She's tall. She's straight-backed. She's long-necked. And this is something that I thought was interesting. With hips that easily bore two children and breasts that easily fed them. And that stuck out to me because I'm used to reading fantasy written by men. And Mm -hmm. I have never once heard a man describe a woman's body in such a desexualized way. It was refreshing. It's it's great. (laughs) Let's read more fantasy books written by women. <laughs> We're here for it. Um, yeah, and so her skin is either ochre brown or olive pale, depending mm-hmm. on what standard you go by, which I take that to mean, like, people in the stillness are racist, but, like, in different ways, depending on where yeah. you're from. You know, and so they're like, you know, some people are like, she's too pale. And other people are like, she's too dark. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, this is bullshit. Um, but yeah, her son, his name was Uche. He was almost three and his father killed him. Yes. Which we ha- we know someone who we talked to this book about a little bit. Who's, uh. She said that she could not get past the prologue because it's like. No, I can't read a book that starts with a dead kid. I just can't do it. And I think that that's totally fair. I agree. You know? Um, And especially even when you get into, like, chapter one. Like, you're like, oh, this is going to be... Intense. I think, and I said this to you earlier, I was like, this is a book that I have a feeling is going to destroy me. (laughs) (laughs) Mentally. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. but in a in a good way, in a, in a way of like, I mean, not good because it's very sad, but in well a, written. Yes, exactly, and in a, in a story that I'm 100 percent on board for. Yeah, to to find out where it takes me. So yeah, it talks about um, this woman Asun, and it mm-hmm. talks about the people of Tarimo. There there are scouts that 
you know, examine kind of what's going on. They go to like the last remaining high road leading out of their town and they see, they observe like the valley that they're in. They see like all the mountains are fucked up. The northern Mm. part of the valley is fucked up. Everything else in like a perfect circle around them is fine. And I would think that would be good, right? It's like, oh, good. You know, we've been saved. But they don't think this is good because they know exactly what this means. They Mm -hmm. know that Araga is here. Yeah. And that's bad. Because they're so dangerous. (laughs) Right. Which. I mean, yes. They are dangerous, but. misunderstood i want to say i agree i agree it's like because of how powerful they are Mm -hmm. like at birth how powerful they are everyone that isn't an origin fears them right and and wants to kill them they and you know that because well asun's dead yeah not a not a um uche yeah uche's dead asun is very sad (laughs) Uche's dead. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, so these scouts, like, they wander off. You know, they they were sent out to collect as many dead animals as they could for meat and for hides and stuff, Mm -hmm. which, you know, very doomsday prepper. Yeah, there we are. (laughs) Um, And then when, you know, and because they left in such a hurry, they missed something. They didn't see this, like, geode egg thing. Yes. And then they eat it. The kid. Yeah. The 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 a kid comes out of the geode egg thing, passes out when he wakes up. Hatching. Yeah. <laughs> he hatches out of the egg. He passes out. He wakes up. He collects a ton of crystals mm-hmm. from the geode. He eats one and then after he eats it, he realizes how cold he is and it's a terrible thing to be cold. So yeah, he collects all of these crystals and and wanders off and then i love the ending right because it Mm -hmm. talks about how the world's gonna be fine you know when people talk about the end of the world it's a lie the planet is gonna be fine yeah the people are gonna die and then it like it ends with it reminds me of um what was it called i think it was the wicker man or something you know like this is the way the world ends Uh uh-huh Repeated three times, the final time in italics. This is the way the world ends for the last time. It's like, man, that's so fucking good. I got to read this line because it's good. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so this is what you must remember. The ending of one story is just the beginning of another. Yeah. It's Which is what you said, but I just... Oh, no, I, mean, I skipped that <sighs> bit of it, yeah. Beautiful. It is beautiful. Now we're on to chapter one. Yeah. You, at the end of the world, in which you become a middle-aged woman with a dead son at the end of the world as the Empire knows it. The local doctor takes you in for a few days before you endeavor to find your husband and daughter. This is where things started to make sense for me. I was like, I can follow this story officially. And I immediately, on the first page of chapter one, underlined something that got me very excited yeah go ahead okay so like in fantasy world like you there are plenty of like queer fantasy books yeah but it's not like 
like super, I mean, there is tons of them, but like not, I guess what you would say, like mainstream or what is like super popular, if you will. Are you talking about the butcher? Yes, I'm talking (laughs) about the butcher. I immediately underlined. I said, the butcher probably knows your name because she likes to flirt with you. I underlined and wrote in all caps, queer, exclamation point. And I was very excited. I liked how casual it was. Yes, 100%. I was like, this is great. And I just knew... We were in such good hands. I liked the way this chapter opened, right? Yeah. You are her. She is you. You are a soon. Remember? The woman with the dead boy, or however it goes. The the woman whose son is dead, yes. Yeah, so it's so interesting because like whenever this book focuses on a soon, you are her. Yes. You are a soon. And it you're is, in it immediately. It is what? second person mm-hmm. narrative. Which is interesting because I've never encountered that before in in this kind of book. Have you? Never. This like, has never happened. Never. No. no. And so, like, but a a genius way to get people immediately invested. Oh yeah. Make it about them. Like absolutely. It's like, hey, you are now yeah. this woman. I'm in the journey now. Indeed. And I'm excited. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, I've only encountered second person in a couple places. Okay. In um, those Goosebumps Choose Your Own Adventure books. Oh, throwback. I never read those. (laughs) Never. Full disclosure. But I know a lot of people who have. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I remember those. And then also there's this podcast, Welcome to Night Vale. I've heard of that. It's really good. And I didn't listen to it. That's okay. I, um, but it has some episodes where it's a story about you. Mm. And then the voice of Night Vale proceeds to narrate this whole story about you. And so this felt a lot like that, only mm-hmm. less um, absurdist. Because Night Vale's very absurdist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what do we know about us? Well, that something catastrophic has just occurred. Yeah. And we've got refugees that are coming in. Yeah. And that our son is dead. And we know our husband killed him. Yes. Jija? Jija. Jija. And we know this because on his body, on Uche's body, are fist like, bruising in the shape of fists that were, like, the size of his hands. Yeah. Like, when I when I listened to it as an audiobook, I had, like, some doubt. I was like, I, do we know it was Jija? Do we know that? But then when I was rereading it, it was like, oh, no, this is pretty unquestionable, isn't it? Right. And this is, uh, like, it- I don't want to believe that he did it because I don't want to believe that a father would kill his son. Yes, and it's so sad, too. I mean, and she mentions... And I believe this is in chapter one. She mentions how he's never been violent before. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that talks to the fear and the, what is the word I'm looking for here? The feel, just the atrocious feeling that they have towards like people like Uche. Um, you mean like that embedded hatred? I, yeah, and fear. Yeah, because they're like, "Are you going to? What destruction are you going to cause?" Right, because it's very easy 
for an origin to lose control. Right. They're not trained. Which is, I mean, they do get trained, like, when they're discovered. And they could be, They yeah. could be. That's one yeah. option. It, it, it is one option. <laughs> we'll get into that. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, we, uh, we, what well, we know about ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've lived in Torimo for a decade. We're educated, you know, well enough to be a middle school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um... We have a flirty relationship with the butcher. Which we love. The baker doesn't <laughs> like us. Um, our husband was born here. We one day coming home find our son dead in the living room. And mm. our husband is gone. And our daughter is gone. And we know our husband killed our son because of the bruising on him. And we don't handle the death of our son well. We shut down. I mean... Totally reasonable response. I yeah, I probably yeah, I would shut it. I Ryan would shut down too. I would, I would either shut down or I would burn the entire city to the ground. Yeah, yeah. Both are reasonable. Both are reasonable <laughs> for sure. Um, and and we are discovered, right? Yeah. So she's been. This is like disturbing in some aspects. Like she has been in this home. For with two her days. son, with her, yeah, yeah. With, with his corpse, mm-hmm. and is found by the doctor, Lerna. Lerna, yeah, yeah. So he breaks into the house. Mm-hmm. He comes to us and sees everything and understands understands almost everything about the situation the moment he walks in. Well, because Lerna knows yeah. what they are. Yeah, and yeah. he's like one of the only. Yeah, it's because in the beginning of the chapter, it makes clear that only three people in all of Tarimo know who Aesun is, mm-hmm. and two of them she gave birth to. Right. Lerna's the third. Yeah. I thought it was the husband until Lerna came into the picture. Did, and so maybe I just like missed this. Do we know how he knows that she is. Lerna? Yeah, how Lerna knows that. Um, that like uh Ucha and Isan are origin? Uh I don't think it's explicitly stated, but I would assume that it had to come up as when... a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> the annual checkup. Ah, how's yeah. it going? <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed something about you. <laughs> yeah. Um and so uh, you know, Lerna he sees Uche, mm-hmm. like, he he takes the blanket off to look at him, mm-hmm. he puts the blanket back over him, and and then we're like, don't do that, he's afraid of the dark. Yeah. So sad. It's Le- horrible. Lerna, Lerna acquiesces, he, he lowers it just yeah. below his eyes. Yeah. We're like, thank you. And then Lerna takes us, kind of insistently, but in a gentle way, yes. back to his house. Which is good, she... We need, sorry, we needed to get out of there. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to refer to, refer to this character as we, because it's us. No, I do. I love that. And I kept saying she, and so. No, it's us. It is us. That you're right. This is, this is our dead son. This is our shitty husband. Screw him. (laughs) Sorry. Can I say that? (laughs) You can say whatever you want. Great. This is an explicit podcast. Wonderful. (laughs) And it kind of has to be with this book. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. This is not for kids. 
so yeah, we go to Lerner's house mm-hmm. where we are put in a bed with a big gray cat, which makes us sad because the weight is pretty similar to Uche's. Ugh. That's so sad. It is so sad. We really don't want to think consciously about anything right no. now. No. I thought that was interesting, right? Like, the, oh, careful. We can't think too much. Right. You can't think too much. Then if you think too much, you'll remember what's happening to you. Yeah. Can't, can't do that. Disassociating. We are disassociating. A hundred percent. I think that's okay for right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very shocking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we sleep. We wake up. There's some food. And then we go to the bathroom, and the toilet won't flush. This is why I feel like it is Earth, but in the far future. Yeah. Because there's things like asphalt and indoor plumbing and this makes balconies. More sense. Right. <laughs> well, and then she's got to get the hell out of there. Yeah. So she has. So we have a nightmare about okay. the death of yes. our son, and then we have a conversation with Lerna, who Lerna gives us kind of the rundown about like how the town is reacting to this. Mm-hmm. The town knows about Uche, and most, not most, but a good portion of the people in town are like, good. Good for you, Jija. Thank you for doing that. It's fucked up. I know. It is fucked up, and, gosh, is this when, no, I think I'm, I'm starting to jump ahead to our next chapter, Lerna does mention that they that people saw them leaving, but they didn't see where. Right. I believe is is what uh is what happened. So Jija has our our daughter. Yeah. And that's bad. It's so bad because we don't. I don't know. And we don't know if. Jija knows that she is also an origin. So right? I'm speculating that Jija doesn't know because she wouldn't be alive then, right? Like I mm-hmm. feel like I feel like that's got to be the situation. Like he would have killed them both. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so yeah. So the town thinks that our son did all this, right? Lerna, this pisses Lerna off. Because he knows that it started in the capital. Mm-hmm. It's like, of course, a three-year-old could cause an earthquake 3,000 miles away. Like, damn, Lerna's pissed. That what do is... you think of Lerna? I like Lerna. I do, too. I, I do. And um, I think that they're obviously where everybody else is, has such hatred towards origin. Like... Or a, or a jeans. Or a jeans, sorry. No, or fine. a jeans. Mm-hmm. Then this, they, they know it's up because they're not like being dis- discriminated. They're not discriminating against them. <laughs> you know, I think part of that comes down to he had to leave yeah. to become a doctor and then he came back. So he's he's probably a bit more well rounded yeah. than most. Educated, maybe. He's definitely about, more educated. Uh, and and knows maybe what they're capable of and being able to control it. Yeah. So Lerna goes he leaves to let um our use cast leader know how we are. Because mm-hmm. there's so yeah, there's use casts. So yeah, that's an interesting thing about just like this whole society. 
Um, and it comes down to like the naming conventions, mm-hmm. right? So you've got your first name, which is your name, and then you've got your use cast name because there's like 20 different casts, although seven of them are the m- more common ones. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, there's strong backs, which are just laborers. Right. Um, and then there's uh, resistance, which I don't know what their deal is. There's breeders, which it's in the name. Clear. Um, and then your third name, which is wherever your town, like your calm name, right? Mm-hmm. So towns and cities are referred to as comms or communities. Mm-hmm. And so your your third name is your calm name. So like that's that's where people's names come from. Right. You know. Um, so, yeah. So um, we claimed to be a resistant Whatever that means. Um, so, uh, so Lerner leaves to go speak with Iran, Erin, E R A N. I don't remember how that name's pronounced, but she's like the spokeswoman for the resistant use cast. So Lerner goes, Lerner's also part of that use cast. So he goes to let her know, hey, Asun is fine. You know, I mean, not fine, but you know, she's alive. Right. Um, and then after he leaves, we resolve that we gotta go. And, we're out of here, and we're gonna go. We're gonna go fuck somebody. Yeah, we're gonna go fuck somebody. <laughs> up, yeah. Um, and then the chapter ends with a passage from a verse from Stone yes. Lore, which so Stone Lore is like, I think the closest thing they have to gospel, mm-hmm. right? Like it is stuff that was written down a long, long time ago about how to survive in this world. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty spot on, apparently. Like, this is stuff that you should pay attention to. This is stuff that you should trust. Right. Right? Like, the scouts earlier in the prologue, they recalled a bit of stone lore about find the center. That Mm -hmm. is where you will find the origin. Like, Mm -hmm. if you see, like, just... Like, if there's an earthquake and then, like, you just have this perfect circle of untouched land. Wonder what's there. Right. Yeah. Uh, But so this one ends with a verse that says, The shake that passes will echo. The wave that recedes will come back. The mountain that rumbles will roar. Mm. Tablet one on survival, verse five. What do you think that means? The shake that passes will echo. I, God, don't ask me. <laughs> Maybe this is like a poetic way of talking about aftershocks and tsunamis and volcanoes. Yeah. I mean, that that totally makes sense. The mountain that rumbles will roar. I think it's talking about volcanoes. Yeah. Okay. That would make I sense. I mean, I mean, that's, that's just what I think. What do you think? I don't know. I, I I literally don't know. Like yeah. some of these, there I, I think too. Like after reading the prologue, part of me I'm like, oh, it's just poetical, and I'm not gonna overthink this at sure. this moment. But I think that everything you said that makes a hundred percent. Like aftershock, tsunami, volcano. Your your smart cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna um, credit Zach here because okay. I've been doing this with Zach for a while. He's all about symbolism. Oh wow! So I feel like it r- may, may have rubbed off a smidge. Oh, a hundred percent. And I'm reading. I'm not used to necessarily. 
critically thinking that much about it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast yeah. in the first place was because it forces me to critically analyze it. I know, and I and I was listen when I would listen to your podcast, I was like, oh, he, he thinks about these things before he <laughs> says it. He doesn't just say it, which is uh, generally my. <laughs> My my way about uh, things. Uh, so me. this is good for me. Uh, trust me. You're There's, making me grow. Thank you. But trust <laughs> me, there is a lot of me just spouting off random shit. <laughs> All right, chapter two. Demaya, in winter's past, where the girl origin Demaya is collected from her bigoted family's barn by Shafa, the guardian. So yeah, this is um this is traditional narrative. This is a third person narrative. We're focusing on a different character now, Demaya. A little girl who's an origin who got caught and her mother, who is awful, locked her up in a barn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. That boy had it coming. And that boy did have it coming. That boy was a shit. Yeah, he was so, a shit. So there was a boy who was like, I like how the narrative talks about it, right? It's mm-hmm. like. The, like, Demaya's pretty sure this boy likes her. Or her friend is, s- says that to her. Oh, she, is that what it was? I think so, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, Maybe. I mean, well, one or the other. Close enough. But yeah, so you know, either Demaya or a friend of Demaya thinks this boy likes her. Mm-hmm. And she does not like him because he's a shithead. He's, he's doing, mean to her. He's doing classic shoving you down in the playground, mm-hmm. p- tugging on your pigtail bullshit. Yeah, we hate like, it. <laughs> like, hey... Little boys, if you like someone, don't hurt them. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've just, just... Growing up hearing that, too, you hear the, oh, he's mean to you because he likes you. That's bullshit. It's bullshit. Even if it is true, it's bullshit, and yeah. he should change his behavior. A hundred percent. And so she just got fed up because he pushed her down, and, like, into the dirt. Yeah. He was like, let me cheat on you. And she mm-hmm. was like, No. And then he, yeah, he shoves her into the mud and the dirt and she got pissed off and she doesn't really get into. She doesn't kill him. No, she doesn't kill him. I don't even think she hurts him. Not really. She just somehow reveals what she is. She does something Mm -hmm. that, and we should get into like what origins can do. Right. Um, So hang on. Because there's a textbook definition. Oh, perfect. That's what. So an origin is one who possesses origini, whether trained or not. Origini is the ability to manipulate thermal, kinetic, and related forms of energy to address seismic events. So this is, it's really interesting mm-hmm. because you can do quite a few different things with it. The, the most prominent example is quelling earthquakes. Right. Or causing earthquakes. Yeah. Uh, but there's other stuff you can do with it, right? Because mm-hmm. you can manipulate kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. You can um, make things hot. You can make things cold, right? Like a common way that um, an origin can kill someone is to suck all the heat out of the air and just freeze you to death. Uh, wicked. <laughs> just gnarly. Yeah. Um, so I'm... I don't recall and i'm not sure if you recall either Mm -mm. if the book gets into exactly what the maya did no i'm guessing it was something kinetic they i don't think that they specifically say yeah but i i got the feeling that he was hurt 
in right. some regard. It's in some way, but not killed. Right. W- because, because they do say that. They're like... You're lucky you didn't kill him. Yes. And you're lucky you didn't kill a family member. Right. But yeah, no, so she wakes up in... Demaya does, in a barn with, with a, a scratchy blanket. Yeah, from sh- shitty quilt that is her mom's or something. Her grandmother's. Oh, her grandmother's. So she doesn't care that it's shitty. Yeah. She likes this quilt. Um, and so yeah, she can she can hear um people talking outside the barn. She recognizes that it's her mother, but somebody mm-hmm. else she doesn't know. She assumes this man, this stranger, is a child buyer. Right, and so she, <laughs> she doesn't love that. She doesn't love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she. He has ice white eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. It describes ice white eyes yes. here, doesn't it? What it does. It, what does it say about ice white eyes? Oh, I don't have the specific page. Did it. Was that like literal? Like. Was it like the whole eye is white or is it. That's what I was wondering. I mean, like to me, I was like, is it like a very light blue or is it just like no. I don't know, I terminology. Let's check the appendix. Yeah. So it wasn't in the appendix, but Julia found it. But what strikes Demaya most are the child buyer's eyes. They're white, or nearly so. She can see the whites of his eyes and then a silvery gray disc of color that she can barely distinguish from the white even up close. So, if this were a cartoon, this man would just have pupils. Right. Spooky. (laughs) Spooky. Yeah. And he's a big guy. He's really big, and he's pale. Almost white. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Paper pale, yep. So, uh, I like Shafa. Like, I I like him here. Yes. I do, too. He has, like... They they spend a lot of time describing him. They mm-hmm. he's like he's big. He he seems like she's like okay. This is a child buyer, but he seems gentle. Yeah, and like comforting. Yeah, like has just even with the spooky eyes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I trust this man. The thing that stood out to me because we hear him talk before we see him, mm-hmm. right? When he's talking to Demaya's mother. Demaya's mother, they, well, the two of them, they find the corner of the barn where she's been, you know, defecating. Right. She doesn't have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she poops in a corner and she covers it up with straw and she feels a little bit ashamed of this when they find it because Demaya's mother is disgusted. Like, I trained her, I taught her better than this. And I love Shafa's response, which is like, is there a toilet in here? Did you leave her a bucket? Very calmly. Right. And she doesn't say a thing. And then Demaya realizes, mommy's been reprimanded. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, this child buyer, where are you, where are you off to? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like the just the way Shafa talks. Who we don't find out his name until the end Mm-mm. of the chapter when he introduces himself to Demaya. But, but yeah, that's this character's name. His name is Shafa. Yeah. And Shafa... Um, yeah, he's very gentle. Uh, you know, he carries himself calmly. He's not v- an aggressive person in demeanor. No, definitely not. He f- and I think that Demaya doesn't have a lot of safe people in her life up to this point. Mm-hmm. And so this is probably like the first person who almost has somewhat of an nurturing presence. Mm-hmm. 
So she trusts him. She s- trusts him from the start yeah. because, like, when he's when she when they see each other, he's like, "Will you come down?" And like, I like the way that it talks about it because it's like, shoot, I'm blanking. It it's like, Demaya likes him because he gives the appearance of a choice, even if there isn't really a choice. Right. Right. Like he doesn't force her down the stairs to the ground floor. And I think they're both, like, clear on that, that, do you think that, like, she realizes she doesn't have a choice, but she doesn't necessarily mind, though? She wants going... to get out of here. Yeah. She hates, like... her, she hates her family now. And they suck, so. Yeah, they suck. Especially her mom, like, there was a passage about, like, all of the horrible things her mom said to her, but right before she put her in the barn. Yeah. And just, like, you know, how, you know. You know, she she lied to them. She's a monster. She gave her jacket away. Yeah, she gave her jacket away to Demaya's cousin. Yeah. And because <laughs> she believes this rumor that origins are not as susceptible to the cold as as other people are. And it's that and the it's BS. Obviously. And you know, I think I'm pretty sure this is like a parallel to real life. Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure in the past Doctors have said, oh, black people don't feel cold like the rest of us. God. They're fine. Don't worry about it. They don't need coats. Absolute nonsense. It is. Just, and it's sad to just, like, see that this is Demaya's life, and now she has this man who's entered it, and... Yeah. So she she comes to realize um, that... uh, Shafa is a guardian, yeah, not a child buyer. Very different thing. A guardian. So a guardian is also a use cast, but a very mm-hmm. uncommon one. So they're the head cheese in charge. They are the ones that <laughs> watch over and train origins. You know, go out yeah. and collect origins. Their parents are supposed to notify. The guardians, if the guardians can't find them, yeah, if there is an origin in the area, yeah, parents don't always do notify, yeah, and so yeah, and so Shafa gets into that too, mm-hmm. like how really what her parents did, even though she hates them, they they handled it in the proper way, right, right, like they notified the authorities, mm-hmm. and he got a telegram or something letting him know that that. Demaya existed and this is where she is. Yeah. And he said, you know, it's really fortunate that I saw it when I did. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been out here for another two weeks. And yeah. she thinks about that. She's like contemplating the idea of being stuck in this barn for two weeks. It would suck. Yeah. Um, and so and he talks about like, you know, don't judge your parents too harshly, you know, because they could have killed you. Mm-hmm. They could have kept you secret. And she's like, well, what would have been so bad about that, keeping me secret? And he says to her, if they had kept you secret and you had been found out, because you would have been found out. You can't control it. She has no training. Right. When you would have been found out, your parents would have lost everything. They would Mm -hmm. have lost their other child. They would have lost their jobs. They would have lost their houses. They might have even been exiled. Right. And so they had other things to, to consider then you and 
you know, this isn't a bad thing for you. You're, we're going to train you up. You're going to, we're going to make you useful, not just to this town, but to all of the stillness. Right. To the whole empire. Really trying to dress this up. Like, no, this is a good thing. You're going to come with me now. Yeah. Let's go. And he does a thing that Demaya doesn't think about, but really stood out to me. Like, even on the first reading, where he puts, like, his hand or a few fingers on the base of her skull. Yep. And is like, okay. Duty first okay. is what he says, yeah. I think. Does he? Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. He's like, duty first. And then she's like, what do you do? And he's like, I've just made it easier for me to find you if you get lost. You've been microchipped. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going anywhere. Yeah, like an interest, like magic low jacking. I still, you know, I'm like, okay, Shafa. All right, man. Okay. Duty first, he's right. And I will say to the another thing I loved, mm-hmm. in a way, is describing what she is. You are fire, mountain, glass, Dama. Yeah, so her mom calls her Dama Dama. She yeah. hates that name, but he, I think, a few times just calls her Dama. Yeah. Yeah. You are, you're a gift of the earth. Yeah, but you've been cursed by Father Earth. But Father Earth hates us. Yeah. Never forget. Yeah. It's just, I, I liked that. So that message. was something else that I thought was interesting, right? Because in mm-hmm. our world, it's Mother Earth. Yeah. You know, Mother Nature. Ugh, just has to be Father Earth. No, I'm just kidding. No, well, I... <laughs> it's I, an interesting point. I, I think because of Zach, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the symbolism here. Yeah. What does it mean that the representation of the Earth is male? Something that in our world is traditionally female. I mean, does it... What What does it say about the society as a whole is like the first thing that I go to. That is exactly where I go to as well. I feel like more so than other societies, Mm -hmm. we're going to see a lot of like patriarchal supremacy stuff. And it's it's in obviously like gendered. Mm -hmm. But it's more than that uh, too. You know, it's within the origin. Mm-hmm. It's even. I'm gonna. Uh, you were gonna say stuff about future chapters, weren't you? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Do you that. would never do that. I would never, never do that. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so yeah. Um. Uh, there's a flashback about mm-hmm. how Demaya wound up in the barn, which we already discussed. Yeah. And then, um, so there is this. So this thing with the coat, right? Shafa tells, um. Demaya's mother, you know, go, go like, you know, make a kit for, for Demaya Mm -hmm. for our travel, you know, get her, get her her coat and all that. And her mom is like, oh, we gave away her coat. You gave away her coat? And it's like, well, we're not made of money, you know, like her cousin needed it and, and, and she didn't need it. And, and Shafa's like, you believe that because of what she is, that she doesn't, she she doesn't suffer cold like the rest of us. That is a myth. Mm-hmm. That's not true. She needs something. Okay, it's gonna be warm at the equator, mm-hmm. but we've got a few weeks travel, and it's gonna be cold while we're traveling. She needs something. And does he gives her his he, coat right temporarily? Or, right while the mom goes to get a blanket. She's like, well, I mean, we've got some blankets. And Shafa says nothing, just stares at her. Until she gets the idea that she yeah. has to go. And this woman's an idiot. She's like, dumb she and is, she's, she's mean. She is dumb and mean. Yep. Terrible combination. <laughs> really? 
the worst of it. Um, so so while she's going to get this uh, blanket, that's when uh, Shafa is talking to Demaya about mm-hmm. like, no, it's good that you're going to come with me. I'm guardian to six. Like you're in good hands. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so mom comes back with the blanket. He takes his coat back and drapes the blanket around her, mounts her on his horse. Uh, you know, he gets on behind her and then mm-hmm. they leave. Oh, before she comes back, she starts crying and he like sops up her tears and is like, never cry in front of them. Yeah. Ever. Just don't do it. Why do you think he says that? I think that he, you know, it would instill fear in everyone around. Like, oh, she's crying. She's on edge. What is she going to do? That's what I thought. You know, I think that tracks. Like, what? uh Uh-oh, is she going to start a a shake, like, or a quake, Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know? He says, like, this isn't going to be good enough for your mother. She'll probably know that you Mm -hmm. were crying. But for anyone else... They probably won't know. Never cry in front of others. Yeah. It's like, damn. And so, yeah, so then, you know, they get on the horse and they're leaving and he's like, don't look back. And she doesn't. And it makes it easier. Yeah. But then it says that later on, she's going to wish that she had. And she's just a baby. She's just a baby. That's the thing. So many babies in this book. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, so then the chapter ends with another verse of Stone Lore. So it says in brackets, obscured. So it's a snippet of Stone Lore. The ice white eyes, the ash blow hair, the filtering nose, the sharpened teeth, the salt split tongue. So ice white isn't referenced in the appendix, but ash blow is. So ash blow hair is a distinctive Sanzid racial trait deemed in the current guidelines of the breeder use cast to be advantageous and therefore given preference in selection. Ashblow hair is notably coarse and thick, generally growing in an upward flare. At length, it falls around the face and shoulders. It is acid resistant and retains little water after immersion and has been proven effective as an ash filter in extreme circumstances. In most comms, breeder guidelines acknowledge texture alone. However, equatorial breeders generally also require natural ash coloration, slate gray to white, present from birth, for the coveted designation. So, equatorial breeders kind of remind me of kennel club breeders. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, the, yeah. that's the feeling I get. Yeah. It's fucked. It's, it is fucked. <laughs> And it doesn't get better. Um, I do like this <laughs> this interesting thing about ash blow hair, though, being something that could be used as a filter. Mm-hmm. You know, like it makes me wonder if there's like a cast of people with ash blow hair that like their job is to just grow their hair out, cut it off and then grow it more and cut it off again. You know, kind of like people that like grow out their hair for wigs. Right. And then cut it off. And, and yeah, like. See that because that would be cool. That oh, would be... I was gonna say that would be a great job. I would love that. <laughs> Just sit around and grow my hair out. Um, yeah, and so Sanzid, since uh, you know it came up, Sanzid is like the origins of the empire. Like mm-hmm. the Sanzid people were the ones that created the empire, and so now like Sanzid racial traits are just like everywhere in mm-hmm. everyone, all yeah. over the place. There, are... you can't miss them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, so that's the end of chapter two. Um, so we're going to wrap up. What do you think so far? 
What do I think so far based off of just prologue, prologue to, to two. chapter two? Okay, so I think that for when I started the prologue, I what did I get myself into? Yeah. I'm t- the dumbest person with a bachelor's degree, so how am I going to read this? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally joking. I gave her a look. I know. Yeah. I It was a joke um, because I am a genius. So... <laughs> I, 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 no, I was reading the prologue. I was a little, I was a little stressed. I was a little concerned. Chapter one, I'm in it. I'm sold. Like, I, I think that there's a lot of really great characters, like, mm-hmm. right off the bat that, um, I'm immediately invested. Yeah. And worried. And yeah. I just, there's, I have a lot of concerns for a lot of these characters and I, I've, love them so yeah i think that that's really cool to be done so early in a book too like you don't always get invested immediately yes and in their like livelihood and just like like them almost as like people yeah so job well done it's a good book this book uh got in 2016 it was the winner of the hugo award that's what the Barnes and Noble lady told me. Yeah, yeah. and the, the cool thing about it is that every book in this series got a Hugo Award. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. gonna have to read them all. Maybe we'll do that here. Oh, looks like Look, that could be a possibility. Looks like that might be <laughs> something we'll do. Yeah. We'll find out. Okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, we're gonna wrap up. Um, I said in a prior episode, I'm going to do credits at the beginning. I keep forgetting. So I'm going to do them at the end here, and I'll do them <laughs> at the beginning next time. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you, Julia, for co-hosting Whoa, with me. Thank you, know? you for just letting me babble. I'm sure everybody will love it. Um, thank you, Chris and Digistory Productions. That's where Chris is from for uh, you know being our audio recordist. Um, thank you to Vidwest Studios for providing us a space to record in, as well as most of our equipment. Um, thank you, Jake Weller, for our theme music. If you like Jake's music, you should check out his album, Wasting Time. It's very good. Um, am I forgetting anybody? Thank you, Ryan. Oh, hey, yeah. For having me on this podcast yeah you're welcome it's great this is so fun (laughs) i love being thanked um and thank you zach for recording everything that you have with me so far i'm excited for you to come back after i'm done recording this book with julia all right bye This is Functionally Literate. Hope you've been enjoying listening. This episode is brought to you by me. I made this show. I'm Ryan. I'm broke. If you could donate a little money my way with a sponsorship or a product, like, I'll be a shill for money. Um, 
And I'm going to use that money with which to buy books. Because let me tell you, right now I'm checking stuff out of the library, and it's rough. You can email me at funk.lit.pod at gmail.com. That is F-U-N-C dot L-I-T dot P-O-D at gmail.com. You could also be a patron of this podcast. That's right. This podcast, Functionally Literate, we're going places. We have a Patreon now. You can give me a dollar. And in exchange, you will be able to listen to this podcast ad-free. That means right now, you don't have to listen to this bit. You can listen to the podcast uninterrupted. It just goes without me going on about things that you don't care about. Just for a buck. And that will increase in value every two weeks because there will be another ad-free episode. Additionally, if you'd like to just pitch a little money my way, like you don't, you're not interested in being a patron, you can uh, go to my PayPal, which is also in there. I made a Funklet PayPal. It'll, it'll all be in the description. Links all, all the links in the description. Mm-hmm.